Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. My name's Clint. Thank you for joining me. And we are going to be discussing the term tonistry today, or the way that succession was done amongst the Highland clans, or was it? That's what we're going to look at today. So thank you for joining me. Before I get too far into this, I'm going to give a shout out to my sponsors, USA Kilts. They are um, made in America, but of the highest quality that can rival um, kilt makers over to Scotland or anywhere else in the world. Their customer service is top-notch. It matches the quality of the product, and there's free shipping inside of the U.S. So um, go check them out if you're in the market for not only just a kilt, but anything that would ever go with a kilt or a lot of a lot of other stuff that pertains to Scottish culture specifically or um, just Celtic stuff generally. They've got Irish stuff on there, Welsh stuff. Go check them out at usakilts.com. Also, they've got a cool YouTube channel called USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions where they dive into how to wear kilts, how not to wear kilts, things that go with kilts, things that don't go with kilts. They go into Scottish history, heritage, culture, traditions. Uh, so it's not just kilt stuff. And so it's just go go check them out at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube. All right, so here's here's the deal. Once again, this episode is tailored to people who are maybe just kind of new to the whole I've got Scottish heritage world, or I just decided I'm interested in Scottish heritage regardless of whether you actually have any ancestors there or not. So you're kind of getting into it, and you're probably going to come to this term called tonistry. So it refers to if the way that they chose the successor, the successor to a chief who is called a tonist or a tonished um, in, in Gaelic. So this will be presented to you, and depending on the source that you're going to, it'll be presented in a way that is factually accurate but maybe somewhat misleading. So kind of like a lot of what you're going to read when you first get into learning about the Highland clans or the Scottish clans generally. So you're going to do a Google search and you're going to come up with various re responses from Google. At the, Somewhere near the top of the list is going to be a Wikipedia article. And so I went to the Wikipedia article and I saw what they had to say. I looked at what the venerable Colin Scottish clan and family encyclopedia had to say. And I'll refer to that here in a little bit, which the reason I call it venerable is because the overwhelming majority of information that's floating around Wikipedia or otherwise is almost, almost a copy and paste from that book. It, it is kind of looked at as the, the foundation work on Scottish clans and families. And I do have an episode, and I don't recall which episode it was, but it was way early in this. So if you're scrolling down through episodes, you want to see on my opinion on different sources, different websites, um, my critique of them, what I think was good about them, what they're going to tell you versus how it actually is, according to what I've been able to discover, then go back and just scroll down to the earlier episodes. Also, I actually did an episode on tonistry, specifically clear back an episode, I think it was 44. So... I went into more detail about the actual practice, and that's what not that's not what this episode is. It's not actually what was tonistry. 
I'll do. I'll give you a brief, very brief overview or an introduction to it here, but not going into detail. My question here is, how much was it actually used amongst Highland clans? And I'll tell you what clans I picked to do a little experiment with this on. And what I found as I looked into their succession of their chiefs as far back as they were keeping records on it. So what I, what I, how I came up with this idea is I, I can't remember what, what popped into my head about tonistry, but the question immediately followed was, did they actually do this? Now for your brief introduction to this subject, tonistry was as is how the, at least in origin, how Highland and Irish clans chose a successor to the chief and in some cases the kings. In fact, a lot of the material actually focuses on the kings of, of Ireland in their different, the high kings, the different provincial kings, you know, not the high king of Ireland, but the king of Connacht or Munster or Ulster or Leinster or Meath. Um, it gets the, so it talks about that. If you want to go, some of your sources will go straight in, and they'll actually talk a lot more about that than they will about the Scottish clans. And it does mention the Wikipedia mentions the Scottish clans here too. So what it was is you have the Normans were used in primogeniture, and so that's basically just you have the the guy in charge, whether the king or the chief, and so the guy that under primogeniture that would succeed him would be the next the o- oldest son of his sons. And then if it, if he didn't have any sons, it would be the next male relative, you know, does it come from a female line or a male line? And that depends on where you're in, in Scotland or Ireland anyway, but it's, it's a very straightforward succession. The drawback of it is that you might get the next guy in line. That's not the best candidate, but he's the oldest son. So he's the guy that gets the, the leadership. Now, tonistry, as opposed to primogeniture, with tonistry, it's not taken for granted that the oldest son will be the successor to the the chief or the king. It really could be any number of capable men who are within a certain degree of relationship to the chief. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with chief instead of kings here, because this is the Scottish clans, not the history of Scotland as a nation. So I'm going to focus more on the clan aspect of this. So it wouldn't just be the chief's oldest son or his only son. It could be a nephew of his that was a capable leader and had, had a good following and had proven himself on the field of battle and, and a person in whom the clan could put their confidence and trust to maintain their honor, their security, and so forth. And so usually with tonistry, in theory, this person was chosen before the chief passed away. So he would look amongst his sons, nephews, cousins, brothers, maybe, and he would pick the best candidate, and so it would be settled, and then he would die, and we would know who's taken over. And as opposed to primogenitor, it would be the most capable person, or amongst the most capable people that could have been picked for that position. Okay, so you see the the drawbacks. Um, and the and the strengths of the system versus primogeniture. Primogeniture is very straightforward, but not, might not end up with the best candidate. Tonistry is less straightforward, which could cause problems and divisions within the clan, but you are more likely to get a more capable leader, in theory. Okay, in theory. All right, so 
you're going to go to the Wikipedia article and you're going to, you've heard about this tonistry. Maybe you, maybe you came into contact with this concept in Outlander by watching Outlander. Interesting because Outlander is taking place in the first quarter of the 1700s. All right. So you're dealing and it gets into the Jacobite rebellion and it's, you're dealing with that. It's the 1715 rebellion there. And you're seeing a succession issue amongst the chiefs of the Mackenzies. And Jamie Frazier, even though he's a Frazier, is close kin on his mom's side. And so he's an eligible candidate for the chiefship of the Mackenzies. So he's going to take them. And that's how the story goes. Now, here's something that's interesting. What you do see in Scotland that you don't see in Ireland is inheritance through the female line. Uh, keep in, uh, bear in mind, the, or as for an example... The succession crisis after Alexander III died in the late 1200s. And this leads into the story behind both Braveheart and Outlaw King, because they're set in roughly the same time period. So the Bruces and the Balliols claimed their right, that they were the best candidate and the most in line for the kingship, but they come through a female line in both cases. Whereas in Ireland, with Tonistry, you never had female lines. And at least that's what I've read about it, is they, they, the female lines were not eligible. It had to have been a male line. And if the chief, and we don't have this, then you have to go back up a generation and look at a broader base of kinship. And there's the, the, in Gaelic, they had the, the word fine, which was talking about this kinship, and they had different Gaelfine and Derfine, and, and, and I don't... I'm not, I, there's YouTube. There's good YouTube videos on this. In fact, there's a guy named um, Michael who that runs Clans and, Clans and Dynasties YouTube channel, and he's not. I have never contacted him. We've never communicated with each other. But it's a cool channel, and if you're interested in this podcast and listening to this, you'd probably also be interested in what he's got going on on YouTube. And he has that laid out actually in diagram. Also, Claire Downham has some stuff on YouTube as well that you might want to look up. She's a She's a scholar. She's she's done done lectures that you can find on YouTube, and so that's kind of interesting too. And they lay out in the Irish case, and it's very codified in Ireland. And ma- as far as I understand this, males are it's only in the male lines that you you inherit. So why is it different in Scotland? Why are they why are they able to claim to be an heir through a female line? Well, some people will point at the Picts. Now, in seeing this, and this talks about this on the Wikipedia article for Tonistry, it doesn't, I don't think it does a really great job of doing a solid link between the Picts and the fact that, you know, Robert the Bruce claims to his mom's side and has a legitimate claim to the throne, and that where that would never fly in Ireland. So, and, and is it Pictish? I don't know. They didn't, like I said, they didn't lay it out really scholarly, so I think there's got, they have a lot of gaps to fill in there. But anyway, you can go, you can go uh, maybe read deeper into that. Maybe some of you that are listening to this have studied this a little bit more deeply than I have. And and this this part of what tonistry was and how it was in Scotland and versus Ireland, that's not what I'm claiming to have studied here. Um, so I did a very introductory look at tonistry up to this point. What I'm here to share with you in this episode is a little kind of experiment or a, a survey I did 
regarding different clans. And so I wanted, so my question is, so you're presented, you're looking into Scottish clans and you're presented with tonistry as the form of succession. And in some sources, it makes it look like, hey, this is how they did it in the Gallic culture of the Highlands of Scotland. And it wasn't primogeniture. And it was, it, now some some sources are more straightforward about this than others, like going back to the Wikipedia article, because that's what a lot of people are going to click on. In giving examples for this system, it overwhelmingly uses Ireland as as the examples. And then it goes into talking about Scottish kingship and Robert the Bruce and the Baylors and all that stuff that I just mentioned, but it doesn't really talk about any Scottish clans at all. But it kind of leaves it hanging out there as though this was used and not just royalty, but Scottish clans and Irish clans and Irish royalty. And this is the term of Gallic succession was tonistry. And this is how they did it, which if, even if they don't explicitly say it, the, the reader, their mind is going to jump forward to, oh, okay. So amongst the, the Sutherlands and the Northern Highlands, this is how they figured this stuff out. All right. Well, my Dutch, Shepard just made a booming introduction into here, so I don't know if you heard any of that, but you can probably hear him clamoring about and his tail whacking everything. He's a he's a hard charging dog, I'll tell you what. He is uh he's something else. And you probably I told you what happened to our Malinois. She uh she met a pretty epic end, but she's gone and we've got a Dutch Shepherd and I this is, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I'm not super convinced that these are two different species or breeds of dog and that it's not just a coat difference. I'm not super convinced. I've asked different people, like law enforcement people who work with these dogs for a living. Some are convinced that they're different breeds and some are not quite so convinced that it's nothing more than a coat difference. I don't know if there's any dog lovers out there, specifically any dog breed experts out there, specifically any pointy-eared dog breed experts out there, but um, that's that's kind of how we roll in the Edwards family. This, these, these dogs are kind of our speed, and uh, and we've been pretty pleased with them so far. Anyway, I, I kind of broke my intention. He came just running in here where I'm recording this. So, all right, back to tonistry. Okay, so, so that's how it's presented. This is how it worked in Galaxy Section, and as opposed to Norman primogenitor, and this is how he did it, and so you're left to think, oh, this is how, especially when you watch the episode, and you watch a little bit of Outlander, and you're like, oh, even clear up in the 1700s. Okay, so the big question is, was this really done? I took a, I surveyed across seven different clans, and I tried, so I'm sticking, because so, this is supposed to be Gallic succession, right? And I know there were Gales in southwest Scotland down in Galloway, but I just, just for the sake of this experiment, I just stuck with Highland clans, Highland and Hebridean clans. Hebridean, Hebridean. One of you guys from Scotland tune me up on where that goes. So um, here's the clans that I chose to survey. I went with the Macintoshes because the Macintoshes are kind of smack dab right in the middle of the Highlands. Like I said, I'm trying to take a, a wide geographic cut here from all different regions of the Gaelic-speaking world in Scotland. So the Macintoshes would represent something near the middle. So would the Camerons. The Camerons were another clan I looked at, and they were also, and they were more west coast. But if you're including the Hebrides, there still makes them middle-ish. 
whereas the Macintosh territory was just south of Inverness and the territory stretches to the south from there. Okay, so that's kind of in the middle of everything. Now onto the periphery. So we've got the core with the Camerons and Macintoshes, coincidentally held one of the longest running feuds in Scottish history, which I did an episode on once upon a time. Um, out in the Hebrides, I chose the MacLeods. There was a lot of other clans I could have chosen. I could have chosen any one of the branches of the McDonald's, but we talk about them all the time, and they've received plenty of attention. So sorry, all the McDonald's listening to this. We didn't pick the, that clan. We went the McLeods. We also could have picked the McLeans. All right, so that was a, that would have been another option, a good Gallic clan from the Hebrides, which is interesting because a lot of the Hebridean clans are supposed to have some strong admixture of Norse in there. And I'm sure that somewhere in there the McLeans do too, both the McLeans of Duart and the McLeans of Lochbuy. But um, their founders and their origins are in the Gales. But I went with the McLeods. And that's just the way I did it. So there's a lot of clans I could have chosen, but I went with the McLeods. Um, and specifically, I chose the line of the McLeods that were the McLeods of Harrison Dunvegan, the McLeod of McLeod chiefly line. All right. And then, so that's my northwest extremity. Um, the, going straight north, the very, very, very north of Scotland. Like after that, you'd go into the Pentland Firth, and they have to go into archipelagos like the Orkneys and Shetlands. So on the mainland Scotland, this is as far north as you go, we're dealing with the Mackays. All right? So I went with I went with them for the, to represent that area. Now kind of swinging back down south, we're going to go to the... Um, kind of back to the central highlands, but maybe leaning a little bit toward the east farther would be Clan Donaghy, the leading kindred of whom were known as the Robertsons of Struan. So, so we come down to them. Some of their territory was, was kind of going into the eastern highlands, although you might be able to claim that they were also a central highland clan, but they were south of the Macintoshes. And I've got my clan map right behind me, and I'm looking back for a double check, and that is accurate. So... Then we have, I actually, and then I actually did, sorry, I told you I could have used the McLeans. I actually did use the McLeans. They, they represent my most Southwest clan. And specifically, I went with the McLeans of Duart. And then, and my, then straight South, the very most Southern clan I used were the McFarlands. And I, and you probably heard me do episodes on McFarlands and mention them a lot because I am personally descended from them, but that's not why I chose them. I chose them because of their geographic location, kind of rounding off this circuit of the highlands. But I also knew, because I've done these other studies on them, because I am particularly interested in them, but I knew that I had a good source on them and that I knew I could bring in, um, that I could, that I, I, I know I have a record of their succession of their chiefs. So, I knew that I had access to that information, which is better with some clans than with others. You can trace the McFarland Chiefs clear back to the Earls of Lennox, and the McFarland Chiefs branch off. And this is back before the male line ran out and the Stuarts inherited, and there's a little bit of a feud between the Stuarts and the McFarlands for the while, because the McFarlands were like, no, we're the male line descendants of the Earls, and the Stuarts were like, um, we married in the family also, 
our cousins are the kings, and so we're probably going to get whatever we want. So the Stuarts end up winning that one, and after they ended the feud and they ended it with marriage, the McFarlands are very loyal to the Stuarts. But you can trace the chiefs of the McFarlands right back into a younger son of one of the earls of Lennox. Now, interesting, because that affects our conversation today. So the younger son, the, the older son, inherited the earldom. Interesting. Hmm. So here's what I found. So I, I'm not going to go through you go through every single succession of all these seven clans, right? I, I said all of them, the Macintoshes, McLeods, Mackays, Clan Donaghy, the Camerons, the McLeans of Duart, and the McFarlands. I'm not going to go through every, that would be so boring if I just went through every one. So you want, you want to know what my conclusion was that I came to after I looked at all, I, and I used an Excel spreadsheet and I just mapped it all out in front of me because I'm visual and I just needed to see it. At the end of the day, guess what I found? In all seven cases, in all seven, the rule is that the oldest son is going to inherit. And it goes early. It goes all the way back to as long as they are keeping records on who was the chief. There's one exception to that, and the McLeans. The McLeans do have an episode early, early, early in their history where they said, hey, the younger son became the chief because he was better, and that's how tonistry works. So it's the one example that I could find. And that was way early. After that one instance within the McLeans, they follow the same pattern that everybody else is following. And so, and to give you some sort of time perspective on this, most clans, even though they might claim ancestry clear back to, I don't know, in some cases like the 400s, back to Neil the Nine Hostages, which some of the clans do, and some of them don't claim it that far back, but they claim it back a lot pretty early. Maybe back like the McGregors claim it clear back to Kenneth McAlpin, and then if you can claim it back farther than there. But to be to be completely objective and leaving origin legends and things out of it, most clans can only trace their chiefs in an unbroken line back to back to the in the earlier cases. 1100s, but more generally, late 12, early 1300s. Isn't that interesting? Now, now we, we can think of exceptions, but that's the kind of time period that we're looking at here is an unbroken line back to the maybe early 1300s, maybe possibly farther back in the 12, and in some exceptional case, back in the 1100s. So clear back, clear back, clear back, we still have even through all that time, clear up until, and oh, and I might want to say, so I start with the first recorded chief, and I went up until right around the Battle of Culloden, because the nature of clanship takes on a completely different meaning after that. And I'm not saying that there's that was a hard bookend and that everything stopped and it changed dramatically after that. I'm, I'm under the assumption that there was a gradual shift away once the military uh, power of Highland chiefs was broken at the Battle of Culloden, that that the this whole ingrained kin-based society didn't just poof, vanish, and now it's just a bunch of societies with a society president and a board, and now we're sending out emails and monthly newsletters and stuff like that. It, it didn't That didn't happen overnight. But that's kind of up to where I stopped tracking. It was right around the mid-1700 
time period. And so that's, there you have it. That's the sample and that's my results I came from. So I'm not really convinced. So I'm not telling you that tonistry wasn't practiced amongst Highland clans. I'm just saying that's, that's what I was able to find. And maybe my sample size, maybe some of you out there don't think my sample size is big enough, which maybe so, because I am constrained by how much time I've got to devote to projects like this. But um, it was incredibly consistent across my my sample size. It's not even like out of my sample size of seven that two were, it was kind of anybody's guess who would be the chief and it changed it, like didn't follow any kind of pattern year to year, but the other five did. And so I'm just going to go with with my conclusion off of the five out of seven. That's not the case. All seven, all seven across the board, with that one exception, very early, early, early in the McLean line of chiefs. And then after that one early exception, it's the same as everybody else. So like, this is like 95% consistent that it was really just probably going to be the oldest son. And in cases where it wasn't the oldest son that inherited is because either the oldest son died without um, fathering any children or specifically sons, or he, because maybe he died too early, or maybe he, he or the woman he married were infertile, or maybe there's some, a host of other possible scenarios, reasons why he didn't produce a son. Or, yeah, usually that was it. That was overwhelmingly that was why somebody other than an oldest son inherited. So you have the chief, and he doesn't have any sons, and so his brother takes over as the chief. If he didn't have a eligible brother to take over, then you'd go back up and out to a broader kindred. Maybe you got to go up a couple generations and out. So now it's the chief's cousin or second cousin that's descended from. Uh, a recognized male line, and he'll take it over. Um, we can think of inheritance times. So I mentioned earlier that, that Scotland was more open to succession through a female line, maybe, maybe because of the Picts and their culture, although there is scholarly argument over whether the Picts were even matrilineal successors at all. But maybe it was the Pictish influence, but maybe not. But Scotland was more open to it than Ireland was. And we can think of clans that we've covered in times past where the succession did go through a female line. There's no more sons. And rather than going back up the chain and going back over to a male line, there's a more close but female-connected line, and that's who it goes with. So I just mentioned previously the earldom of Lennox. And so rather than going back up the chain and down into the McFarlands, who were, no kidding, very well documented, the male line representatives of that line, you have the daughter of the last Earl of Lennox, and she had married a Stuart, and so now the Stuart's got it. Boom. Another example of this would be the Earldom of Ross. So you have this the the descendants of the Earls of Ross. You have you have the line runs out, and so instead of going over into the people who are still representing the leadership of the kindred, the Ross kindred, you go with the Earl who only had a daughter and she married, and you have 
in this this actually this succession thing ends up into the Battle of Harlaw, one of the bloodiest gigantic battles between the Lord of the Isles and the Stuart cousin to the king. The, the Earl of... Anyway, so you get that big whole battle right there, and I did a whole episode on that as well. So that succession, rather than just going back up the chain and then going over and grabbing these other male line representatives, you went with the daughter and the person that she married, and now you have a new, completely new family that runs the earldom. And you can look at this with the Earls of Sutherland as well. Now, in the Earl of Sutherland case, the person... So you got this daughter who's... The only let the last representative of this the the Earl's line, and she had married a Gordon, and the Gordon comes in and inherits the Earldom, but he also, in this case, takes over as the head of the kindred as well, unlike the Ross case. Once again, I did all sorts of episodes on this. So so you have this this going on here where the inheritance will go through a female and and but that's really the exception to the rule. Is where, where it's not going down the from father to son, father to son, because it runs out. And instead of practicing tonistry, they anyway, you you get the idea. So, so I just really did not find the fact that tonistry is expressed. Now, perhaps I just picked the wrong clans, and maybe there's somebody listening to this out there who has studied a specific clan well enough that. You can say, hey, and come back on, contact me personally at the Scottish Clans at gmail.com. You could go on our Facebook group, which I'm checking less and less. I just don't have as much time, but guys, there's cool discussions happening on there. There's some really educated, solid people. I've got a team of admins helping me out with that, and they're posting really cool stuff. Neil King posted something interesting lately that I thought was just really, really helpful in understanding things. Um, anyway, I have, there's, 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 uh, I have a handful of others that I picked because of how good they've been in the times past of posting relevant and solid material as it pertains to Scottish clans. So even though I'm just saying that's not the best way to get, a, get in touch with me to post it on the Scottish clans Facebook group, go there, take part in the discussion. But if you're trying to contact me specifically and square me away, and maybe there's a clan here that did practice tonistry way more, and I just just it was luck of the draw. I just didn't pick them. Then please reach out to me on that email address for the Scottish Clans at gmail.com or send me a personal message on Facebook. A lot of people have done that before, and that's effective because I see that and I've responded. So, um, yeah, that's where you have it. That's my conclusions. And so, Tonistry in Scotland and the Highland Clans was like this, like it could be anybody that's eligible within a certain degree of kinship to the chief, and depending on how capable they are, nope, usually it was just the oldest son. Unless there wasn't an oldest son, then you see it going into different lines of the family, in different directions and different methods, but usually it was just the oldest son. So feel free to reach out to me, share me if you share with me if you've got more um, information on that on a different clan that I hadn't picked. Please do me a favor and go over and check out USA Kilts com for anything that you want related to that also pop over to their youtube channel that awesome youtube channel they've got go over and check them out at usa kilts and celtic traditions for all sorts of cool information about scottish culture specifically highland dress um, but also cool historical stuff 
You got Rocky and Eric. They're just, they have a great dynamic between the two of them. They are, do really good to respond to listener questions and feedback or, or just hit them up at usakilts.com and, and experience their top quality product, top quality customer service and free shipping inside the U.S. One more thing. Please go and share this podcast with somebody that you think would be interested. Let's grow the community. Go give me go give me a review on Apple Podcasts and and include some writing in there and tell me how you how you feel about it. Um, I believe that a five star rating would really be the only appropriate response here. But you know you do what you feel best and um, and let me hear from you. But share the podcast. There's a bunch of people out there who have Scottish ancestry and they 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 dig it and they're excited about it and they don't even know that we're doing this. So share it with them. And until next time, Marshan Levendrasta. <laughs>